0: Great. Well, good morning, everybody. And if we've we've never met, my name's Kevin. I have the joy of serving as the lead pastor here and really excited. Um, We've been talking a lot um, over the last few weeks how I've really been seeing 2023 to be a season of ministry to, to regroup to refocus and to relaunch. I mean the last, you know, two plus coming up on 3 years has been very challenging in pretty much every single area of life. Right? It's been challenging from a ministry perspective as the local church, it's been challenging in the education and with school and young children high school, college, young adults, seniors, like it's just been a little bit of a of a gong show. And if you don't know what the gong show is, I've dated myself by that expression. It's just been it's just been a little nuts. And now God has been good and God has been faithful. But we're really trying to step into this year again to regroup a little bit. <laughs> to kind of focus on the things that we started focusing on as a church way back in 2018-2019. We want to refocus, because there's a lot of little shiny bells and whistles out there in the world that we could get very distracted with, and we want to be focused on the things that God has called us to be focused on. And then we want to relaunch, because just as much today, (laughs) I believe that you as the body of Christ— are crucially important to wherever God sends you. You might be the only Christian that someone ever sees. You might be the only follower of Jesus that your family knows. You might be the only follower of Jesus in your school or in your workplace. And how you live your faith matters greatly to God. That's why I'm so grateful for this church family that we have. And as we've been regrouping, we've been trying to restructure ministry around how do we do in person and online and a mixture of the two. And that's why that app that Paul talked about, the Church Center app, if you go on your app store and download Search for Church Center, you'll find it. Um, it's just got more and more things that we're making available to help you in your discipleship. To help you grow in your faith with Jesus, right? Instead of, well, you need to come to the church when my schedule allows for me to disciple you and to teach you something new. It's like, no, no, no. I'm going to do the work to make it available for you when you're available. There's a big difference. That's kind of one of the shifts that we have to make as a church that you need to be available when I'm free. (laughs) Yeah. No, it just doesn't work anymore. I'm going to do the work to make resources and tools available for you so that you can do it when you're free. Instead of being like herding cats trying to coordinate everybody's calendars, right? And one of the ways that we're doing this, we just rolled this out recently. If you download the Church Center app on your phone, there's a feature on there that you see. It's called What is My Shape? And we're very passionate here to help people learn what your shape is. God made you to be you. You're not supposed to be anybody else. We're not supposed to be trying to imitate somebody else. The Bible says to imitate Christ. That's it. Doesn't say imitate the Christian beside you. Doesn't say to imitate the pastor down the road. Be you. How God has made you to be you. God has given you a spiritual gift. And he expects us as Christians to use those gifts for his glory. God has given you a particular heart that your heart aches for something particular in the world. God has given you abilities that only you have. God has given you a personality. Some people have to be up front because of their personality. Some people love to be behind the scenes because of their personality. And all of those are good. And God has also given you certain experiences. that whether they're good, and I think even more so when they're bad, That God uses those bad experiences that we go through in order to bless other people going through very similar situations. So if you don't know what your shape is, download that app and go through that. And we really want to help you find your shape. And so like, so we've had more and more people doing that. And I'm so incredibly grateful for everyone who is serving. And I just want to give a shout out and a thank you to Noreen. Noreen has been kind of working behind the scenes. This is a ministry that she can do from home in her pajamas. I'm not saying that's what she does, but she could if she wanted to. And she's actually coordinating all of our hospitality volunteers through our our tool that we use to coordinate because there's a lot of moving parts. And so maybe you want to do behind-the-scenes stuff. like You just love to be able to help out with the ministry, but you want to do it from the comfort of your home. There are actually ways to do that, to be used by God that way. So check out that feature on the app, and I would love to connect with you. So as Paul said, we, we are starting a new sermon series today. I've called this sermon series The Power of the Gospel. <laughs> the Power of the Gospel because, again, as I reflect over the last three years, And as I've shared already, it's been a challenge. In fact, just this past week, I've been talking to a whole lot of different leaders, Christian leaders this week. I've been talking to some of you who serve in Christian leadership here in our ministry at Greenbelt Church. I've been meeting with other pastors here in our city from our denomination and from other denominations. I've also been talking with a lot of business leaders, a lot of political leaders. I've been just talking. God's just been bringing in all these different conversations that I've been having over the last week or two, even the last month. And all these Christian leaders that I talk to are in agreement that the last two plus coming up on three years, yes, had amazing opportunities, but had deep, hard challenges And one of the things that I've been sensing from all of these leaders that I've been talking with is one of the deep things that the church and followers of Jesus have been wrestling with is what is my place in this world? Does my faith in this pluralistic, post-Christian, anything-goes kind of culture Is my faith needed? Is my faith wanted? Do I belong here or not? And and there can be tension with that. There could be tension at school if you're a student. Am I even allowed to live out my faith here? There could be tension in your workplace. I was talking again with a leader recently and they were like and it's fascinating when you study the shift that we've gone through as a culture. You know, certain business leaders, if you owned your own business, let's say you were a lawyer, you know, going to church regularly in the 60s was good for business. You didn't have to believe a single thing the church said, but you showed up at church. Why? Because it was the center of the community and it's where you can get a whole lot of clients. <laughs> Because, you know, Christians are suing each other all the time. So there's a lot of, lot of business to happen there. <laughs> okay, that, we're going to get on that topic one day. Okay. Um, today, if you're a lawyer who's committed to a local church, it could actually be a strike against you in your business today. Like, have you ever felt that way with your faith that you've actually felt in wherever you are at work, at school, that you're not too sure you could live this out? Have you ever felt that way? Oh, it's just me. And I'm a pastor and I work in a church and I feel like I don't belong. (laughs) Okay. There's a wrestling that we're going through. That's why over the last more than a year, probably about a year and a half, I've been saying this again and again and again and again is that our theology What we believe about God changes how we live. It has to. You can't say that God is loving and be a jerk. You can't say that God is generous and be stingy. You can't say that the greatest commandment is to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, but you barely think about him during the week how we think about God, what we believe about God is crucial for how we live our lives. And so that's why I want to spend the next several months going through the book of Romans. We're going to go through this letter of the New Testament right up until Easter Sunday. That's when we're going to conclude it. And the goal that I'm hoping that all of us will see is as we study this together, and as we hear from God's word together, is that even in the most pluralistic, secular society, the gospel is powerful, (laughs) that Jesus is needed, even in the regions that want nothing to do with him. You see, the the Apostle Paul wrote this letter, and he wrote this to a very sophisticated audience. (laughs) He wrote this to the city of Rome. He wrote this to the churches in Rome. Now, as you study ancient Roman history, how many of you just love studying ancient Roman history as a hobby? Okay, we got like a few hands, a bunch of nerds here. Okay, I love it. Okay, it's good stuff. Those are my people. Okay, right? We, We kind of forget because we think of Rome as ancient, right? And the ancient people are ancient, and we're so much more advanced, and we're so much more sophisticated than they ever were. Right now. You know what? We have cooler toys. You know, they didn't maybe didn't have cell phone with 5G and all of this kind of stuff like that. We have cooler toys, but in a lot of ways, we've not changed at all. Philosophically, we've not changed. Kind of pluralistically, we've not changed. Dealing with social tensions, we've not changed. Dealing with corruption in government and in institutions, guess what? We've not changed. All of these things that we wrestle with in a modern-day Canada, Rome had the exact same issues going on. And you know why it's exactly the same? Because people haven't changed. We're no different today than we were 2,000 years ago. We think the same. We act the same. We behave the same. We just have cooler toys. That's the difference. (laughs) Okay? And we might be living a little bit longer because of science and medicine. Okay? But this is what Paul is writing to. He's writing to encourage Christians. Do I belong here? Does my faith in this city matter? Or should I just huddle? Should I just kind of isolate? Should we just kind of sit in a basement and sing Kumbaya and have a potluck and just wait for Jesus to return? <laughs> okay, what are we trying to accomplish here? And so again, so this is kind of the goal that I hope as we study this together. Now, just to kind of let you know how this works, if you're not familiar with this book of your Bible, Romans is the deepest, richest, most systematic. And what that means is it's a system. It means it's organized and structured. It's the most systematic theological book of your New Testament. And I think for that reason, a lot of us like to avoid it because it's like, this is way too heady. I just want, I just want to hear the Holy Spirit. And and I just want to feel God touch my heart. And those are great things. And I love those things. And some Sunday mornings I'm over there ugly crying because God's touching my heart. That's a great thing. But we're going to work a little bit on our heads, because sometimes when we work on our heads, we got to, sometimes we, God can't speak to our heart, because our head gets in the way. Right? Right? How many of you, that's how it works? Okay, a few more hands are starting to go up. You're waking up. Okay? We're going to be doing this a lot in this series, okay? And you at Church Online, click thumbs up and comment that this is you as well. Okay, our heads get in the way of what God wants to do in our hearts. So Romans, the way it's structured is the first 11 chapters, very heady. Paul is building this theology, this systematic theology, what you should believe about God, who God is, what God has done. And then the last four chapters are unpacking, so then what does that mean for your life? Again, because your theology should drive how you live. So he spends 11 chapters looking at what God has done, looking at who God is, and then starts asking some really tough questions. Is this making a difference? Is this making a difference in your workplace? Is this making a difference in your family? Is this making a difference in your school? Is this making a difference in your city? Is this making a difference in the world? So I'm going to start here. I'm going to read from Romans chapter 1. We're going to read the first 17 verses here together. And if you have a Bible, I would encourage you to follow along. If you do not own a Bible, I'd love to give you one today as a free gift. We got Bibles in the back of the room there that you could take with you as you leave today. I'm a big believer that every family should own a Bible. And if you are joining us at Greenbelt online, just send me an email, Kevin at greenbelt.church and we will send a Bible to anywhere in the world, anywhere. I don't care where you live. I will send you a Bible anywhere in the world. If you don't own a paper Bible, I'd love to get one to you, so email me for that. So Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 1, it says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who, as to his earthly life, was a descendant of David, talking about King David here, And who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him, we received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to obedience that come from faith for his name's sake. And you also are among those Gentiles, talking to the Roman church, who are called to belong to Christ Jesus to all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people. Grace and peace to you from God, our father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. And continuing here in verse eight says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is being reported all over the world. God, whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his son is my witness. How I constantly remember you in my prayers at all times And I pray that now, at last, by God's will, the way may be opened for me to come to you. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's other's faith. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to come to you. But I've been prevented from doing so until now. In order that I might have a harvest among you just as I have had among other Gentiles. I am obligated both to Greek and non-Greeks, both to the wise and to the foolish. That is why I am, e- e- that is why I am, I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes first to the Jew, then to the Gentile for the gospel Sorry, for in the Gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed a righteousness that is by faith from first to last just just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith so in the, in this first part here of the book of Romans, like most of paul's writing he 's doing what 's called an introduction, <laughs> okay, and this is a kind of a formal letter writing format back in those days. Now, we don't don't even do that anymore. Now we just text, right? We don't introduce ourselves. We don't bring greeting. We just go, hey, you on your way? And then I look at it, and because you're not in my contacts, it's just a phone number, and it says, hey, you're on your way, and I don't know who you are. And so I say, no. (laughs) Cause I don't want to show up in the back of some van or something like that, you know, and be really awkward. Okay. So, you know, but so Paul, so he spends some time and as Paul does in kind of his fashion of, of run on sentences, it can be a little tricky to parse it and to figure out what he's talking about. Cause he talks about one thing and then he's got to explain it. And then he talks and then he mentions something else. Oh, and then I got to explain it. <laughs> and then I mentioned this. Oh, and then I got to explain it. And he does it all within one sentence. <laughs> Right? It works well in Greek. In English, not so much. We go, oh, that's really bad grammar, Paul. Okay? It worked in the Greek. Okay? And so he starts this off kind of re- talking, introducing himself. Right? Introducing himself as an apostle set apart. And what that means is, is that there's this call on Paul's life that might not be like everybody's call. Like nowadays, when we kind of go around, when I meet people, and go, oh, I'm an apostle. They go, "Ah." you may have a spiritual gift of apostleship. Not, I have no problem with that. But when we kind of go around introducing ourselves as apostles, I'm kind of leery about that. I, I fall in the camp that there aren't any more apostles, <laughs> that the apostles were kind of done <laughs> when the scriptures were written. Now he gives, the Holy Spirit gives the spiritual gift of apostleship, which means you're really good at starting up new ministry. And you're actually really, really bored when ministry stays the same all the time. This is why Danielle changes her job every year and a half. Okay, because she's got a spiritual gift of apostleship. She just has to create, 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 equip, 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 and then let you do it. And then she goes and finds something else to do. Right, but but here Paul's showing that he is this apostle called by God, and he's set apart for the work of the gospel. And then he explains, well, what is the gospel? Well, hey, remember the gospel, this was something that was promised. This gospel, this good news, this gospel, it's not new news. It's actually something that the people of God have been waiting for for thousands of years, ever since the fall in Genesis. When Adam and Eve sinned against God and God cursed the world, when God put kind of separation between man and woman, you ever wonder why marriage is hard? You know why marriage is hard? Blame Adam and Eve. Okay? Their fault your marriage is hard. Because there's a separation between us that we just kind of wrestle with, and it's been there since sin came into marriage and into relationships. But this is not new news. This is news that has been promised through the Holy Scriptures regarding Jesus. And then it reminds them, who is this Jesus? He is the promised Messiah. He's the one, the descendant of King David, that the prophets have been talking about again and again and again. And so he's speaking to these people, reminding them of all of these things. And again, what's fascinating when you study ancient Rome, again, it's so, again, we can't, Think of it all the time in our modern day world and our modern day thinking. But Rome, you may not know this, but Rome was actually the very first human city to reach a population of a million people. Okay? Now you know is, what's the big deal? Ottawa's a million. Okay. So what? A million? That's piece of cake now. We have cities in Canada way more than that. This was first. This didn't happen back then. In order for an ancient culture to reach a million people, they had to create systems and structures and aqueducts and roads and military and government in ways that no one else had been doing. Incredibly modern, right? incredibly sophisticated, incredibly pluralistic in its worship of other gods and different gods. And and so and then Rome and what's again fascinating again when we think of the world that Paul is writing to, like the entire planet back then, only had about 170 million people living on it. Now we're like what like 7.9 billion I don't even know what the number is anymore. She's just like it's going a, whoo, just shooting up like crazy, but back then in a city of a million people, there's 170 million people on the planet. And then it talks about, again, when you study this stuff, and again, I'm just nerding out for a minute, right? Four-fifths, my list loves that, four-fifths of the world's population. Think about that. Out of the 170 million people here, four-fifths of them, almost all of them, okay, lived under Roman, the Chinese, the Han, or the Indian Gupa empires. Okay. Rome is a massive superpower. Almost a quarter of the world population is living under the rule of Rome. That's ginormous. It's huge. And now you've got these Christians there. Some of them were Jewish. Most of them were probably Greek. Believing in multiple gods, believing in kind of that Rome is the center of the universe, believing that I need to worship Caesar as the one true God, all of these things. And now these people have heard this gospel that was promised centuries ago that God loves you and that there is actually just one true God. He is the maker of heaven and earth and you're separated from him. Not because you're not keeping all the rules, not because you're not keeping all the traditions, not because you're a bad girl or a bad boy. You're separated because it's just in your nature. You were born separated from God. Because you've inherited the sin of Adam. You've been born into the curse. But God loves you so much that he doesn't want you to be separated from him. He doesn't want you to be living under the curse. And he doesn't want you to just be religious, to try to work your way out of the curse. He sent Jesus to make all things new. He sent Jesus to die for you. And by accepting his freely given grace, you're made whole. Your relationship with God is restored. Your relationship with other people through the power of the Holy Spirit, if you actually let him work, can be made whole and can be restored. And then suddenly this city changes. This incredible world superpower. One person at a time changes so that eventually caesar himself becomes a follower of jesus and makes christianity the world religion his world anyways and then what did we do we turned it into a religion again about performing act a certain way live up to certain expectations don't do this, do that, bow this way, pray that way, all of these things. And we made it again about the methods. And we've forgotten that it's about the good news of Jesus. See, it's the good news of Jesus that changes everything. And that's what the big idea is today. I encourage you to write this down so you can talk about this in your life group this week, is that the gospel changes everything in us, And around us. The gospel. The good news of Jesus. Of his life. Of his death. Of his resurrection. That changes everything in us. And then it changes everything around us. So just by looking here at Romans chapter 1. I want us to look at the way that this works. How does the gospel change us how does it work in us and how does it work around us three things from the text here this morning i want us to highlight and look at and then i want you to i'm going to leave you with some questions as i've been questioning in my own faith journey this week of how is this playing out in my life is the gospel is my belief of god actually making a difference around me okay so let's look at a few things here today from romans chapter one The first thing that Paul highlights here, and this is what I love about this this Romans chapter 1, especially, I think, in today's culture, where some of us as Christians, some of us as churches, we're we're starting to live in this victim mentality. Oh, what was us? Remember when the church was really popular? Remember when, you know, we had a voice at the table? Remember when we were respected? Uh, Remember the good old days? And we start playing victim, right? In Rome, yeah, there was no seat at the table. They were all victims. In fact, they were fed to lions eventually. Talk about victim, right? But look at what Paul says here in verse 8. He says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. Listen to this. Because your faith is being reported all over the world. <coughs> Excuse me. You see, the gospel changes everything in us. It changes everything around us. The kind of faith that you and I are called to is a faith that impacts the world. See, so often we as Christians, we say, well, I have this personal faith in Jesus. I've got this personal relationship with Jesus. And we've made it so private and so personal that even the people closest to us don't know we're followers of Jesus. (laughs) I've shared this story before when when I made the switch from being a computer consultant. I worked as a computer consultant for 14 years in Montreal. When I resigned to go into training and to go into pastoral ministry. Now, I I had a lot of fear when I made that decision. I I won't lie. I would wake up in panic attacks going, that was the dumbest thing. I can't believe that I did that. I should go get my old job back. Like, what did I do? All of these things. There There were some trust issues I was working on. But one of my greatest fears when I did that was when I handed in that letter of resignation, would the people in my office be so shocked? Not because I was resigning to go become a pastor, but they, they were shocked that I was a follower of Jesus. That was my biggest fear. <laughs> that as I resign from this great career, is the shock going to be, you're a Christian? <laughs> right? we're called to a faith that impacts the world when we say it's personal and private what we mean is is that it's for everybody <laughs> It's for every single person, regardless of their background, regardless of what religion they grew under, regardless of what language they speak, regardless of the color of their skin, regardless of their social status or how much money they make. It's for everyone. That's what it means by personal. But now in our culture today, we don't talk about government, we don't talk about sex, and we don't talk about religion. And those are my three favorite subjects. I love talking about politics and sex and religion, not in the same conversation, mind you, but you know what I mean, right? Our faith needs to impact the world, right? Paul talks about this again later on in the, in the letter in Romans chapter 16, verse 19 says, everyone has heard about your obedience. So I rejoice because of you, but I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. right?" In The most populated city in the world, this group of Christians are living in such a way that is bringing good news to the entire world. All 170 million people back then are hearing about this good news of Jesus by how the church is living out their theology. Over the last two plus years, and I've shared this before, too, I've become quite obsessed on on bad news. (laughs) There was a lot of bad news. There still is a lot of bad news in the world today. Like we live now in a culture with 24 hour news networks, and, and I can easily go down a path to have that on all day long and get crankier and crankier, and crankier, and crankier, because the world is just messed up. It is so broken. It is so hurting. And we hear bad news, bad news, bad news, bad news. And I think it's so crucial for us as followers of Jesus, we, should, we have to be wise, <laughs> We have to have our eyes open. We have to have a good understanding of culture, have a good understanding of the world. Absolutely. But we got to stop being so obsessed on the bad news and have our eyes open to good news. Jesus is working. Jesus is moving. Jesus is healing people physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, all over the place. God is doing that here. God is doing that in churches here in our city of a million people. In a very pluralistic government town. God is moving. Okay? As we regroup, we need to be reminded of the good news. We need to share our stories with one another in life groups. We need to be a little bit more bold in our faith. Do people even know you know, we're all on our phones. We all use social media. When's the last time, if I scroll through your Facebook page, will I know you're a follower of Jesus or not? I'm just asking. If you follow mine, you'll know I'm really obsessed on what I'm eating these days and how much exercise I do. You'll know that. You'll know. You'll see all the pictures of my feet with my cat, and you'll see all those pictures. But if you scroll me, me on find my social media, will you know that the most important thing in my life is Jesus, right? Because our faith needs to be known. It needs to be seen, right? Good news of what Jesus is doing in our lives has to be shared in a way that impacts people around us. It doesn't mean we have to knock them over the head with our Bible. It doesn't mean we have to like manipulate them and convince them and argue with them, but they should know, that what we believe is important to us. And we can be respectful of other people's beliefs. We can be loving in other people's beliefs, but they should know what we believe, right? Your faith is being reported all over the world. <laughs> is yours. Is mine. Is our churches? I mean, when I went to Columbia recently, I was so incredibly blessed to meet people for the first time who were bragging on you. <laughs> because so many people from our church have been to Columbia on missions trips over the years, and they still remember you by name. They still pray for you by name. <laughs> and they're so grateful that we sent you there. <laughs> Does our faith impact the world? <laughs> That's the first thing that Paul encourages us, encourages us with. The second thing that Paul talks about here is using our gifts to make us strong, using our gift, using your gift to make you make us strong, right? Paul wants the church of Rome to live out their spiritual gifts. Look what it says here in verse 11 and 12. Excuse me. It says, I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong, that is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Now, some people believe, well, this is why I don't have any spiritual gift until one of the apostles show up and lay hands on me. And then it's through the laying of the hands that I'm going to receive a spiritual gift. And then I can do something. So because Pastor Kevin's never come to my house and laid hands on me and Pastor Kevin's never imparted a gift on me, I don't have to volunteer in the church. Praise be to God. That's why I don't let Kevin anywhere near me. Because he might lay hands on me. He might impart a spiritual gift on me. And then I'm going to have to start serving and building up the body of Christ. So, Kevin, get away from me. Okay? That's not what Paul means. Okay? And I, I get it that some of our brothers and sisters in Christ might believe this. Okay? I believe what this means is, no, Paul wants to call out the spiritual gift that the Holy Spirit has already given you. You might not know what it is. And you might need Christian leaders, pastors, elders, prophets, other people in your life to help you see what that gift is. And you might need training and discipleship and and moving forward and growing in how to use and exercise that spiritual gift. So that's what I believe Paul means by imparting. And that's where, again, as we refocus as a church, I desperately want you to know what your spiritual gift is. I do. I really do. Not to put you to work, because that's not the goal. The goal is God has given you a spiritual gift that he wants to use in you to mutually encourage one another. And I love how Paul puts this. This is Paul, right? This is the great super apostle Paul who's written most of the New Testament, who's traveled all over the known world. He's preached the gospel to like these 170 million people all over the world. And Paul needs to be encouraged by this church. That you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Again, when we made Christianity a religion, And we created a position of a holy man. That the holy man up front, the holy man, the one who is declaring the word of the Lord. When we made that person the only mediator between man and God. When we made that person the one who has to pray for us. When we made that person kind of the one who's got to do all the ministry and all of us just benefit from it. We broke the church when we created that. I need you to grow in your faith. Nothing encourages me more on my faith than seeing you growing in yours. Nothing gets me more excited than when we see someone who is far from God and put their faith in Jesus, believe in this good news, and then get baptized. It's the best thing we do here. Because for me, it shows the power of the gospel is still working in individual people's lives. And it means the sacrifices that we make as a church, the work that we do as a church, the discipling, the training, all this stuff that we do matters. Because it changes lives, right? So this is what these spiritual gifts do. They encourage us. Again, if we see our faith as just this personal, private thing, you can do your faith privately. You really can. And we live in a day and an age where you have access to biblical teaching. And I can say this honestly. like and I'm not offended by this when people tell me this. You can access biblical teaching on the Internet that is better than my sermon. You just can. And I'm in no way offended by that. Okay. I'm okay with that, right, and so you can listen to sermons and deep, rich teaching and read books and all that and 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 I think Paul is the greatest worship leader on the planet. I do you know, but you might not, and you can like download the best worship music on the planet, and you could do your faith privately and there was a season of my life when I did that because when I was a brand new Christian, I was the only Christian I knew. Danielle wasn't a Christian. I wasn't attending a church. I had learned about Jesus on the internet. And, and so my faith was incredibly personal, was incredibly private. And I was learning and I was growing. I was studying my Bible every day. I was buying all these books. There was no Amazon back then. Weird, right? You had to go to a bookstore to get a book. you know. And then in downtown Montreal, find a Christian book. Good luck with that. you know. And so you're kind of trying to drive all over the world to find a book on the book of Revelation. Because I've shared before, that's what I was obsessed on back then right but it wasn't until i joined a small group when i got together literally on tuesday morning i got together with a group of men we got together at a local restaurant at 5 30 in the morning we read a psalm we prayed and we told each other to stop being morons that was our ministry that's all we did read a psalm pray kevin stop being a moron Kevin, stop thinking the whole world revolves around you, you moron. Kevin, treat your wife better, you moron. Kevin, spend more time with your little babies, you moron. That's all we did. It was very edifying and uplifting (laughs) as a ministry. Uh, And if you want to start a ministry like that, please let me know. (laughs) But it wasn't until I was gathered with other people that my faith exploded. And what was crazy about that time in my own life as the brand new Christian is God was actually using me to encourage others. that I was actually pouring into the leaders at the same time as they were pouring into me. We need one another to be encouraged in this messy, complicated world that we live in. Okay? Don't go through it alone. Join a life group. Again, on that Church Center app is a list of all of our groups. Find one that works. A whole lot of them are getting deeper into this book of Romans. So if you want to get deeper into this, and I thank you, Jim, for putting those questions together. It's awesome that you do that. And so if you want to get deeper into this topic, do that. But there are other groups that are studying other things. My group, and we're going to like work out together. That's what we're going to do. We're going to work out, and then I'm going to teach you the Bible, how the Bible actually tells you to take care of yourself. That's what we're going to study. Find one that works for you. But the whole goal of these is to build meaningful relationships with each other because God wants to impart gifts on us to build one another up. That's what faith should do, okay? Our faith should be known by the world. We use our gifts to make us strong. And then finally is this, and this is the challenge I want to leave us all with, is don't be ashamed of the gospel. This is how Romans 1 finishes in verse 16 and 17. The apostle Paul, who has been arrested and beaten, who has lost his status, he was like... Like he had like the best seat at the table. He was like a Pharisee of Pharisees. Like if if there was a Pharisee party going on, Paul's invited. If there was a Pharisee conference, he was the primary speaker at it. He had everything that his religious culture had to offer him. And he gave it all up for the sake of Jesus. Because what Jesus means to him and what Jesus has done for him. And he can say with confidence. Again, in the most powerful city, in this superpower that has conquered so much of the known world, Paul reminds the church to never be ashamed of the good news of Jesus. I don't know what's going on in your life. I know some things, what you share with me privately, what you put publicly on social media. I don't know what the environment is like at your school. I don't know what the environment is like in your workplace. I don't know what the environment is like in your family, but I want to encourage you. Do not be ashamed of your faith in Jesus. It is the only thing that might get you through some things that you're dealing with. Don't find your identity in what people think of you, in what table you're invited to. Find your identity in Jesus. Don't be ashamed of it. And you know what? People are going to look at you like you're Cracker Jacks, like that you're just nuts. And maybe because of your faith, you're not going to get the promotion. And maybe because of your faith, you're not going to be invited to certain tables. And maybe because of your faith, like I've experienced in the past, you will actually lose friends. Don't be ashamed. don't be ashamed because God will use those things. God will use that to build you up, to strengthen your faith. And for everything that you will lose in this worldly way, you're going to gain so much more. I mean, when I think of the friends that I've lost because of my faith and I've lost a few. And when I think of the family members who, who don't really want all that much to do with me, and there are some, I look at you and I have more friends now than ever and I have a larger family now than ever because of the gospel and what God is doing in all of us. So don't be ashamed of your faith. Don't be ashamed of the good news of Jesus, right? Again, you're going to, people are going to think you're nuts, but Paul wrote in another one of his letters that that's awesome. It's cool when people think you're nuts. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, it says, The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those of us who are being saved, it's the power of God. I would rather non-Christians think of me as a loon, as a nut job, because of my faith in Jesus, than for other things that the world is trying to convince us of right now. That's just where I land. I'd rather someone see me as someone who loves God with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. I want to be known as a man of integrity. I want to be known as a man who loves my neighbor as myself. I want to be known as a man who has served the Lord faithfully, with joy, with passion, with commitment, with humility and gentleness. I'd love to be known for my self-control. I'd love to be known for my love. And if people don't want me sitting at the table because of that, I'm going to sleep like a baby. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) Because it's that life lived out by the power of the gospel that will change the world. It might change someone in your workplace when they see how you live and how you act differently. It might change someone in your family because they see how you're just living differently. Who knows how it's done? But when these Christians in Rome living in the most pluralistic culture of their of the of human history when their faith can change the world, that's why I'm not worried about our world. And I'm not worried about our culture, and I'm not worried about how the world sees the church now. I kind of Because when there's more and more and more spiritual darkness, the light of Christians should shine brighter and brighter and brighter. That's how darkness and light works. So don't be ashamed. You are a part of something that has changed the world. And you are still a part of something that is still changing the world. Never be ashamed. The gospel changes everything in us and it changes everything around us. So have faith that impacts the world. Use your gift to make you strong and to bless others and make them strong. And don't be ashamed of the gospel. And maybe you're here today and you've joined us or you joined us online. And this idea of this kind of gospel that I kind of described earlier that it's not about religion. It's not about keeping rules and traditions and all of these things, but it's this truth that you were created in the image and likeness of God and, and you were not created to be worshipped. Have you kind of noticed famous people? They all seem to like end up as a train wreck. You know Why? Because we're not designed to be worshipped. We can't handle it. Our egos, our sin, everything gets in the way. Even pastors, when they become the end-all, be-all, why is there so much moral failing among so many leaders, Christian leaders? We're not meant to be worshipped. You were created to worship. That's why you worship that sports player, that celebrity, that pastor. You were created in the image and likeness of God. You were created to worship, but we are created to worship the one who died for our sin. Who makes us right with God. Not by rules and regulations and traditions. But he makes us right with a simple act of surrender. When we say, Father, forgive me, a sinner. And you can pray that today if you've never done that before. Church online, here in the room, by just saying, Father, forgive me, a sinner. Come into my life. Make me new. If you pray that way, church online, a little pop-up shows up. Please just click that and let us know you did that. If you did that in the room today, come and speak to me in the cafe after the service. I want to celebrate and rejoice with you. Because that is the power of God. The power of the good news, the power of the gospel, is that he is still working, even in our city of a million people, even in our world of seven plus billion people, the power of the gospel still matters, and you are still a part of that work. So let's pray. Lord God, I praise you and thank you that we have the privilege and the joy of being a part of the work that you are doing in the world. I thank you for everybody here at Greenbelt Church who are using their gifts and their talents as a blessing to one another. And God, I just pray that you would continue to build in us a faith that changes the world, a faith that changes our families, a faith that changes our communities, a faith that changes our schools and our workplace, our hobby groups. Everywhere that you send us, God, use us, Father, to just make a difference in people's lives one life at a time. God, I do ask that that life would start with us. (laughs) Maybe we've been a little distracted over the last three years. Maybe we've been hurting over the last three years. Maybe we've been struggling over the last three years. So God, do a healing work in us. May the truth of your gospel be powerful in us today so that we could be used for your glory. A faith that changes the world. A faith that builds one another up. And a faith where we are just ne- a faith that we are not ashamed of. And so, Father God, I pray that for all of us, as we kick off this season of ministry, to regroup, to refocus, and to relaunch. And I pray this in Jesus' name, Amen.